When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given and it is myself, Toby Tarrant. It is Daniel Norcross who is currently, as ever, struggling with his Wi-Fi and I can't actually see him, but apparently he's there. And an incredibly smug-looking Stephen Finn as well. And I'll explain why he's smug. Because at the time of recording, Stephen Finn is one day into a four-day match between Sussex and his former former team, Middlesex, the Stephen Finn Derby, as it's been coined on Twitter, admittedly by us. And in the hottest day in history in the UK, the hottest day in history where it reached over 40 degrees in parts of the UK, Finney's old bezzy mate from Middlesex and captain of Middlesex, Tim Murta, decided to have a bowl. And Sussex finished today 328 for four, Thanks to centuries from Tom Alsop and Shea Pajara. I mean, Shea Pajara's in the batting lineup. You don't put Shea Pajara in in 40-degree heat. Genuinely, Finney, and you know Tim Murta maybe better than he knows himself. What on earth was your best mate thinking? Well, yeah, I spoke to a few of their guys before the toss, and as always happens, before a four-day game, people ask the opposition, oh, what are you going to do? what you're going to do and you sort of play dumb but they were doing a lot of fielding warm-ups and bowling warm-ups and I thought there's half a chance they're going to bowl here because the wicket was green apparently yesterday it was quite soft and if it was going to do anything it would do it in the first part of the day and and yeah I think that was their reason for for having a bowl first and then we managed to bat quite well and get through those first few hours of the day and um and the oven got turned up and, and I thankfully spent the entire day sat in the Lord's dressing room in front of the aircon. <laughs> I mean, that, you must have been delighted when you saw them make that call. And then, I mean, looking at the forecast tomorrow, it looks like you're probably just going to keep on batting in the morning. And then by the time that you come out to bowl tomorrow afternoon, 
There's even maybe a little bit of drizzle knocking around, a bit of overcast conditions, a bit of light rain. I mean, this is, I mean, look at how happy. This is the happiest I've ever seen you on the podcast. This. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing at Lords. It is typically, even if the wicket looks dodgy, if it's clear blue skies up above, it can be quite nice to bat on. Obviously, the last few years in domestic cricket, it's probably been quite a low scoring ground. So um, you have to take that into consideration. But, but yeah, if... Um, if it does become overcast, just as we bowl tomorrow afternoon, there'll be some um, happy bowlers in the Sussex dressing room and trying to make the most of it. I mean, Tim Murtagh has been playing for Middlesex for about 200 years. He knows it quite well at Lords. Um, I mean, <laughs> what, what, what would happen? So if you're in that Middlesex changing room and it's a changing room that you know very, very well, would they be having a, would they be having a bit of a dig at Tim Murtagh this evening? I think a few of them may have called him Nasser Hussain a few times. <laughs> um, but no, look, it's obviously the the logical way to look at it now is we're one day into the game. So you don't know how this wicket's going to behave for the rest of it. So yeah, we're just going to have to rock up tomorrow and try and put as many runs on the board as we possibly can and, and, um, and then set about trying to bowl them out. But we were very blessed to have someone like um, Chateshwar Pajara in our team today because where everyone else was melting and finding it hard to concentrate, it looked like he was just, um, just having another bat because he's obviously very used to these sorts of temperatures. Um, so yeah, to have someone like him batting at four was ideal. Yeah. Joy to watch. I watched his highlights go out on uh, social media a bit earlier and it looked like he was uh, looking very, very comfortable out there indeed. Um, now, whilst this has all been going on, I'm currently watching Daniel Norcross, who I think has switched to his iPhone He's got a cigarette hanging out his mouth. He's walking around his ridiculous mansion. And uh, he was on mute, but he's just yeah. unmuted himself. Dan, what are you doing? Why are you sneaking around your house in the dark? Well, it, it's complicated, really. So uh, the, the, I think the computer's decided to have a bit of a fit. Um, so I, I'm joining you via the medium of iPhone. And having realised that I'm on the iPhone, I realise now that I can go back into my newly constructed study and smoke in there rather than in my actual bedroom, which I think is a good idea. The only thing is I've got one hand holding the phone and one hand bringing the ashtray, the wine, the glass of wine, the bottle of wine, obviously, in the cooler. So I'm, I have to make three or four trips. This is not easy. I, I'd probably only get the water and the wine, because <laughs> well, I'm a messianic figure, in one hand like that. There we go. And then I'm, I'm basically done. Any minute now, I'll be able to join you in full serenity of my new smoky green room. This is a man, look at this, you've done this before, this is a man who has snuck around in the dark at his house with a bottle of wine and a cigarette many times in the park. And this is presumably this new study of yours, Norcross, was paid for by the good people at BT Sports after a very lucrative Ashes series. Yes, yes, it was one of the best, best Ashes series I think I've ever been involved in. Um, and, and one I think that anybody involved in it will remember for the rest of time, especially because I've now got uh, oval room blue in one bedroom, obviously, but it, it works quite nicely. Actually, it's, it's green. Uh, I've got a light blue in another room, which also is green. Pharaoh and ball. What are you doing with words and colours? You don't make any sense. And uh, this is called smoke green, which it may not at the moment be smoke green, but if I live for another 20 years, it certainly shall be. So it's... Um, <laughs> Well, it's nice to have you finally join us with a I'm much better signal. I'm so sorry. I'm no, so it's okay. Sorry. We, so were sorry. Just, we were just we were just laughing at Finney's best mate Tim Murtagh for his decision today. Um, now, a couple of things off the back of the heat, Finney, that I wanted to ask you about. 
the first thing is um, there was a few people cramping up on uh, in the county championship games today and also in the England South Africa ODI, which we'll discuss in a bit. And uh, pickle juice, pickle juice is, is has yeah. become a thing in the last few years in the world of cricket. So whenever somebody cramps up, they're given a shot of pickle juice, and apparently that sorts things out. Have you have you had to have a bit of pickle juice before finish? Um, yeah, I used to cramp quite a lot when I played for England. I think a mixture of nervous energy and trying your hardest all the time. Um, so yeah, so the pickle juice, the theory behind it is that it just shocks your entire body into almost resetting. It's like pressing a reset button. And the pickle juice is so disgusting that it forgets about the cramp and it forgets about all the lactic acid in your system. Um, I think it's as simple as that. Does it work? It's grotesque. So, so could anything grotesque work just as well as pickle juice, do you think? Is that why Marmite works for me? When you're cramping, what on earth do you yeah, think yeah, yeah. would make you cramp? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm desperately unfit and I live in a lot of air-conditioned environments, so I get very dry, especially after having drunk an enormous quantity every evening. Then go to bed, you know, because they've got tiny little side cups, haven't they, in hotels. So you can only get, like, what, about 20 centilitres at best down them. And even if you do three or four of them, the tap water, you don't really care for. So you don't properly rehydrate. And then you get dehydrated again by the... Um, by the air conditioning. This is the lot of the elite cricket commentator. You go from hotel to hotel in, in this fashion. Now I wake up with the most terrible cramps, often in the feet and the calves. So I always carry with me a small jar of Marmite and a uh, teaspoon. And I find staggeringly that within about 20 seconds of having a spoonful of Marmite at three o'clock in the morning, when you're still a little bit drunk, and very discombobulated and in extraordinary pain makes all of those things go away and I sleep blissfully. <laughs> How have we got 5,000 <laughs> episodes into this godforsaken podcast and I just discovered that at all times Norcross has some Marmite about his person. What was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's quite runny today, I tell you, because it's, it's funny that the effects of heat on Marmite, it really... It's you, honestly, you just boom, pour it into your mouth in a minute. That I explains a lot. I've often thought you have a certain whiff of yeast extract about oh, you. Whenever I've been oh. near you, there's a pong of yeast extract, and suddenly it all makes right. a, a lot of sense. Well, it's the growing up spread, Toby, and uh, and it's helped me get to where I am today. I think I owe more than I actually did to my parents, my family, or my wife, um, my exalted position in the world of cricket broadcasting to Marmite, the growing up spread. You basically owe that new study to Marmite and uh, BT Sport, basically. Right, let's get into the cricket because it is a ridiculous... Are they not advertising, they not advertising on our platform yet? Sorry, I, I got the, <laughs> uh, the wrong endorsement. <laughs> um, look, we've got a ridiculous amount to get through today, which is most unlike us. Normally we chat bollocks for about 40 minutes and then talk about some cricket at the end. Uh, so the big story is the retirement from one-day internationals of Ben Stokes, which was a bit of a shock. There was normally, the cricket world is not very good at keeping a secret, but it came out during the week that Ben Stokes is going to step down from one-day internationals. And paraphrasing the statement he put out was basically, mentally and physically, he can't offer 100% in all three formats, especially now that he's test captain. He's taken a break from the 100 as well, which is a massive blow for the organisers of that tournament because he is probably the biggest name playing in that. Um, and the schedule for the next few years, I mean, you can see why he wasn't particularly excited about it. England, in the next four years, will play 42 test matches, more than any other country. 
as well as 44 ODIs in 52 2020s. And even in the small gap that they do have in international cricket, there's the 100 as well. And there's a blank window for the IPL. I mean, it has got ridiculous. Finney, you you sort of saw both eras, I guess. You, you saw the start of 2020 and IPL and things like that. And so how unrecognisable is it from when you first started playing to now the amount of cricket that these guys are playing? Um, to be honest, comparatively, the cricket, I, I'm not sure how much more they play now than 10 years ago when I started playing international cricket. But you were on the road for 12 months a year and it did become tiresome and there weren't the breaks for the IPL or or the 100 or anything like that because I used to send my email to the ECB every year and ask to go to the IPL and um, and was never allowed. It always just came back with, no, you'll be playing championship cricket in April, which I'm not bitter about whatsoever. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm very lighthearted when it comes to that. But yeah, I... The, the amount of cricket and the intensity of cricket, I think, is is unsustainable, and it's not really that surprising to to see Penn Stokes make the decision that he has. It's sad for the game that he has to do that, but with the TV rights deals that have been signed and and the amount of cricket that has to be played to justify those, then then it makes sense to pick and choose the the formats that you feel as though you can give your all in. I think that's the key, give your all in, because Ben Stokes is not a 95% cricketer. He's a 110% cricketer. If he's going to be on a cricket pitch, he wants to feel like he's the best version of himself. And he sort of said that in his statement. Um, Daniel, I think there's obviously a lot of layers to this, but normally with any major cricket story, cricket fans are such a divided bunch at the best of times that normally everyone's got an opinion on it. But I think on this front, 99% of normal-minded people kind of went, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when he was first appointed, one of the things that lots of cricket fans said, and cricket Twitter was full of it, was how can Ben Stokes be captain and be this big T20 gun and play 50 over cricket and do all these things? We're putting too much on his plate. So he's taken something off his plate, which makes absolute sense. It's, it's weird in a way that uh, 50 over cricket's probably a better format for him than 2020 cricket. Um, I don't think the England 2020 side would be as disbenefited from losing him from that that 11 than they are from losing him from the 50-over team. But it's not weird in the other sense that he wants to keep on playing T20 cricket because that's where the money is, that's where the razzmatazz is and IPL and what have you. And um, 44 ODIs, if you miss 44 ODIs, that's probably going to prolong your career. He said also that, you know, he really wanted to play, he was inspired by Anderson and Broad, he wanted to play 140, 150 test matches. He was very explicit about that in his interview with NASA. And that is a very encouraging sign for England cricket fans and people who want to watch Ben Stokes play at at the top level doing the thing that he's absolutely the best thing at, which is playing test cricket. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. The schedule is exactly what Finney said there. I mean, it is what it is. And is it going to get cut down? England found themselves playing ODIs at the same time as playing tests. The schedule is bad if you're England, Australia and India. It's not bad. I mean, it is bad in a different way. If you're New Zealand, South Africa and the West Indies, they're not playing anything like as much cricket as they want to play. So it's uh, we're looking at this from a very Anglo-centric viewpoint. And the English cricket authorities are trying to make as much money out of the game as they possibly can. And if you ask players directly, 
would you be happy with there being less money sloshing around because they're playing you're playing less cricket? I'd be interested to see what the results are. Can, can I say one other thing though on this, just before we finish on this point, is that everyone's talking about the death of 50 over cricket as a result and evaluating is it a shit format? It's been through phases when it was a shit format. And then you remember how exciting it was that Owen Morgan revitalised it. Um, and England played thrilling 50 over cricket and we suddenly all got into 50 over cricket again. 50 over cricket can be brilliant and it's a premier format that women play. There's no point you know, saying test cricket is their premier format. They're not allowed to play anything like enough of it. How a woman cricketer evaluates herself really against her peers is how you perform in ODIs. So I'm not going to have 50 over cricket just belittled like that. It is uh, still a really important format and the most important format if you're a woman. It's just that in these circumstances, Ben Stokes took himself out of that format and I don't blame him. I completely agree with everything you said. It is absolutely crucial for the women's game and we will discuss actually the brilliant performances of the England women's ODI team over the last week or so as well. And I don't think people have been saying that Ben Stokes leaving is the death of the 50-over game. I don't believe it is. As I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of it scheduled already that won't go anywhere because, you know, money's already been spent on that. Um, and ultimately, money makes the world go round and they like having 50-over World Cups to look forward to. So I don't think it is the death of 50-over cricket at all. One more thing on Ben Stokes before we move on, actually, Finney. I was thinking about it because Ben Stokes, quite rightly, because he's bloody good and has proven he's bloody good so many times, he can step down from the ODI team knowing that he's captain of the test side and the 2020 side will always select him if available because he's one of the greatest players in the world and the match winner. How difficult is it for players that aren't Ben Stokes? Because Ben Stokes is in recent years obviously taken some time from, away from the game as well for you know to look after his mental health as well. That wasn't a million years ago, we shouldn't forget. But for players like yourself or the you know the the players that aren't as ridiculous as Ben Stokes, how difficult is it to have that confidence and bravery to to take any time out of the side? Surely you just can't do it because there's so much competition for places that no matter if you're struggling physically, mentally, with your game, you can't ever really afford to just say, "Oh, I won't play this format anymore," or "I'm not going to do this tour," because you're worried you'll never be back in the side again. Yeah, well, I suppose there's also not that many people in the position of Ben Stokes who if he was fit, would play every game in every format. I can't think of another player who would have to do that. Moen Ali, maybe, if he was fully available for test match selection, but he decided to step himself down from that to allow himself some more time away and to and to get away from it, didn't he? So, yeah, I'd, I'd say anyone who wasn't Ben Stokes, you might be looking at it saying you, you get your rest elsewhere. But yeah, this is an opportunity for Ben Stokes to give his all to test cricket, which I think is the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it is nice to see the fact that he is prioritising the Red Bull game in a way, because, you know, Broad and Anderson have done it, I guess, over the last decade. But the cliche is that players will always go chasing the money and, and prefer the white ball game and the IPL opportunities and franchise opportunities. So it is nice for, you know, traditionalists like myself and Norcross, and I know you at Hart Finney as well, to see a player as talented as that who could make so much money and be so successful in the white ball game at all times, actually keep one eye on his, his test career and his Red Bull career. Um, now, Finney, a couple of things I need to go through with you before we let you go, because I know you've got another day of sitting with your feet up in a changing room tomorrow and you need to get your sleep before you do that. A couple of things that were sent to us on Twitter this week, at Zero Ducks Pod. And, um, well, there's some lovely stuff. And I don't know if you saw any of this, Finney. 
The first thing is Georgie Heath, who posted on Twitter that she used to religiously collect the Spin Cricket magazine. And she found an old copy from 2010. And in that copy is an interview with Stephen Finn. And if you haven't seen the photo, it really is wonderful. You've got a bowl haircut. For some reason, they've got you holding a cricket bat, not a cricket ball. I don't know what the photographer was thinking there. And it was called First and Last. And they asked you about your first things and your last things. And, um, well, there's some wonderful stuff in here, Finney. I'd just like to get your opinion on it. So, um, first car. Can you remember what the answer was? First car? Yeah, purple Ford Fiesta, I thought. There was. Little tape recorder in it. 44,000 miles when you got it. And you loved it, apparently, which is adorable. Absolutely. Purple. He, rem- well. he remembered He remembered exactly how many miles was on it. On, and only 44,000. Yeah, you bargain. must have rich parents. 44,000. <laughs> Absolutely not. It cost, 12, it cost 1,200 pounds. That's a lot of money back in when, all when did of, you um, that? All of 2006. Yeah, it would have been 2006, yeah. Yeah, um, yes, it would. Yeah, I could do maths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's because I signed my first professional contract with Middlesex at the beginning of 2005, so managed to save up for it. So, um, so I was very fortunate. The last thing that you Sky Plus you were asked in 2010. Ooh. Any guesses? Ooh. What's that 12 years ago? Should it be about 21? God, it'd be the only way is Essex or something like that. Uh, it was actually the only thing that might be not as classy as the only way is Essex. It was the in-betweeners on Monday night. Oh, yeah. No, that is classy. I yeah, watched uh, an episode of that. I, I got home, um, had a few drinks last week um, after spending what felt like an entire week in the field. Went and had a few drinks and then came back and I watched the half hour episode around and one of the in-betweeners that was on E4 or something uh, around midnight with my girlfriend Amber. So yeah, it was a nice end to the night. I love the in-betweeners. I oh, it is a wonderful that. show. It is a wonderful yeah. show. It just, it just... Actually, and, I, and actually, actually though, the, what, we, what we've skated over there is that we've done this weekly uh, review but we completely forgotten that he was let off the hook massively by Leicestershire. They had a 477-run fifth-wicket partnership going down. 477! <laughs> and for some crazy reason, the fuckers declared at lunch. Why didn't they just keep going? I, I know. Mean, they could have got, got a thousand. Bowl, they could have got a thousand. They could have got a thousand. He could have got... Well, there was the two Saffers, wasn't it? Ackerman and uh, Muller. They could have got. They could have got a partnership of 700. They could have broken serious records. Though. They could each yeah, have got 400. Happy not out. And and let's not forget that in that score of 756 for four, let's not forget two things, that Stephen Finn was captaining that performance, but also yeah. that, three for- that poor Hassan Azad got out to the first ball of the innings to Stephen Finn. They were naught for one off 0.1 and they finished 756 oh. for four. Yeah, he, he had them in a bit of trouble. I mean, they were 280 odd for four in reply to 550 odd. It could have got, it could have got tasty, but mm. then the ball, the ball, the, the dreadful fucking ball. This Absolutely. ball that we all hate. Yeah, it's a it's a bad thing. 756 of four as Finney captain isn't the most embarrassing thing that's going to happen on this podcast, though, because uh, the last <laughs> music you bought, you were asked in an article by Spin Magazine. Do you know what you were oh, listening to in 2010? 2010, it could have been... Oh, S-Dub 7? Oh, what could it have been? Oh, I actually, I actually don't have a clue. I'll give what you a clue. It? They were an X Factor winner, so you know it's good. Oh, oh god! Oh, I know, I know. One Direction? No, not no. One Direction. Not One Erection. No, <laughs> it no. was. <laughs> it was the the one and only 
Alexandra Burke you were listening to in 2010, and you admitted that in a national magazine. Well, that spin magazine, I about four people read it, so... <laughs> yeah, that's true. But but luckily, Toby will be able to come on to... Um, well, what's it, what's it, what's, what was the magazine that Emma Vernon put us... Well, we'll come uh, to that in a, a second. But I you know, we might. You yeah. know how Finney, Finney wasn't a brain box even back then, because this was Finney's answer. So he was asked, last music you bought, and Finney's exact word-for-word answers were this. I bought something off iTunes the other day, Alexandra Burke's new song. What's it called? I remember how it goes. I can sing it. That was his word-for-word <laughs> answer. <laughs> really, really helpful for a magazine, that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it would have gone, yeah. Thank you, Finney. That's very helpful. Um, anyway, <laughs> you, you'll, you'll be delighted to hear, Finney. You come off a little bit better in 2015 because oh, you were mentioned in Heat magazine. So Heat magazine did a section called Man Watch, where they basically put a page of men on a page in Heat magazine and ranked how attractive they were with a hot rating. How outrageous is that, by the way? How outrageous is that? Like objectifying men in this fashion. I mean, I just, I don't know what the world is coming to. It's unbelievable. The matriarchy has got a lot to, a lot to answer. You can't have, you can't have girls in the pit lane at Formula <laughs> One, but you can in Heat magazine rank men purely by their looks. Um, it's outrageous. So, Finney, I mean. Here we go. So it's yourself, Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, Alistair Cook, a very young Joe Root, who looks exactly the same as he does now, Mitchell Stark, Mitchell Johnson, and I don't know how this guy snuck in, Peter Neville. What the fuck's he doing there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's a handsome man, I suppose. Keepers often are. All the all the biggest England and Australia players, plus Peter Neville, got ranked by Heat Magazine on this page. So... It's a rating out of five. So let's well, play thank a bit. God of... it wasn't, thank God it wasn't Nathan Lyon. I mean, you know. <laughs> it's just cruel, cruel, what a cruel <laughs> entry for Nathan Lyon there. So it's a rating out of five. Five flames you can get for how attractive you are, how hot you are. Now, mm. Stephen Finn, you'll be delighted to hear that you got four out of five for your hot rating. Oh, is that all? That's a bit of a piss take, isn't it? <laughs> You're up, you're up against some stiff opposition there. Peter Neville, uh, Nathan Lyon. Um, sorry, was he there? Peter Siddle. Was he in there? I think he might have been there. And, uh, and just when it can't get any worse, it, it has a little caption about Finney here. And it says, Stephen's very tall. In fact, he's six foot seven inches. He's also a big fan of Love Island. So in the last five years, since you were last in a magazine, you'd moved on from Alexandra Burke to Love Island. <laughs> But four out of five for your hot rating. Now, higher or lower? Here's what we're going to play. So, Alistair Cook, did he get a higher or lower hot rating than you, Stephen Finn? Not a higher. He's a good-looking man, Cookie. I, I think he's a very attractive man. Well, he hair has lovely, lustrous hair, like Rami's mm. Raja. Wonderful cheekbones. Beautiful bone structure. Mm. Strong jawline, yeah. Mm. Lovely. Doesn't sweat. I mean, there's so much yeah. going from him if you're In a good woman. shape. Yeah. yeah, in good shape. Yeah. Now, the hot rating that he got, I can tell you, Stephen Finn, he only got three out of five. They considered oh. the, this journalist at Heat Magazine put you as more attractive than Alistair Cook. Oh, I'd like to meet this person. Was it? It was Stevie Wonder, I think. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
Joe Root, are you more or less hot than Joe Root? Greatest English batsman maybe ever. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not sure Heat Magazine care about that. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, they might care about the house he's got and the car he drives, but but not how many runs he scores. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, Root is a good-looking man. He's a lovely fellow, but um, I'd say he might have got three three heat emoji things. You're smashing him out of the park, right? You're smashing Rudy out of the park. No, not at all. One heat emoji doesn't smash him out of the park. Oh, I see. So you've still got respect for Root's heatness. Or Absolutely, is he hotness? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I can tell you that you are correct. And Joe Root did get three out of five, which is the same rating that Peter Neville got as well. Peter Neville's the barometer. Uh, Look now at I can... smile teasing over Finney's face here. Now here's a now here's a big one. Here's a big one. Jimmy Anderson. Jimmy Anderson. What hot rating has Jimmy Anderson got? He's quite scrawny, isn't he? I mean, he's quite rat-like when you think about him. I mean, I like Jimmy a lot, but you know, I don't know. I, I think he's a sexy man. He's a good-looking man. He's a sexy. He's a good-looking man. He's a good-looking man. Good-looking man. But is he as good-looking as you, though, Finney? Well, I mean, is he as good-looking as Saki? Ask, ask yourself, is he as good-looking as Saki Mahmood? Is he as good-looking as Saki Mahmood? He doesn't kiss the mirror every night like I do, maybe. I would if I had his bowling figures. <laughs> yeah. No, Jimmy Jimmy's, um, would be hotter than me, I would say. He'd be a five. Than you. Oh, well, I can oh. tell you that Jimmy Anderson is oh. the only <laughs> five-star rated man in the whole, the whole magazine. Five heat ratings. You tied with Stuart Broad, you tied with Mitchell Stark, and you tied with Mitchell Johnson as well. So you fared rather well. Just Joe Root, Peter Neville, and Alistair Cook in your wake. <laughs> the, the, the big three. <laughs> um, Finney, I'm going to let you go because I know that you've got uh, a busy day of sitting on your ass again tomorrow and laughing at Tim Murta. But um, do report back. And if you get a chance to, uh, to laugh at Tim Murta on behalf of Zero Ducks Pod, please take that opportunity for us. Actually, I, um... actually can you... Could you get him on next week and ask him to explain his decision? Yeah, I can. Yeah, we can do actually. I'll um, I'll speak to him after the game. I'm having dinner with him tomorrow night actually, so I'll um, I'll have a chat with him and word him up. Just this five is, minutes. Just this is just wonderful because Finney and him can compare notes on Finney's 752 before <laughs> and whatever Sussex finished on tomorrow. It'd be a great <laughs> listen. Let's get him on next week. Finney, have a good sleep. See you next week. Thank you. I'll catch you soon, boys. Night, night, sweet him. Night, night. No, mate. Oh, he looks so he looks so comfy there as well. In his air-conditioned bed. Uh, now, Daniel, whilst we've uh, got here, a couple of things yeah. I want to bring up with you. First of all, uh, his I'm name off. was just mentioned there, actually. Stephen yeah. Finn's much sexier doppelganger, Shakib Mahmood. So yes. he was in the commentary box with you this week on TMS. He was, yeah. Uh, and rather embarrassingly, he called this podcast, this brilliant, esteemed yeah. national treasure of a podcast, Zero Ducks Given, yeah. the Stephen Finn podcast. And he was talking to you, and he had no idea that you were on it. No idea at all. No, no idea at all. I mean, I don't know why I bloody bother, really, quite frankly. Um, it was hugely embarrassing on a professional, personal, and um, uh, and spiritual level to find yourself, you know, live on air with a man who... Uh, I asked him a very simple question. I said, has anyone ever said that to you that you look at a lot like Stephen Finn. And he said, yeah, strangely enough, uh, somebody approached me from um, that Stephen Finn podcast and said, uh, you look a lot like Stephen Finn, would you like to come on? And, and then it all became clear that our, our producer, he has absolutely no time for either of us, you or me, Toby. 
I mean, it, to him, it's Stephen Finpock. It's, it's absolutely classic of producers. Oh, they play cricket for England, aren't they? Great, they're the big name, aren't they? Aren't they? Marvellous. I mean, why are they? They're a bloke lying in a hospital bed. Hospital bed? Hotel bed. Looked like a hospital bed. Lying in a hotel bed, just quietly whining to himself while he thinks about what he's going to order at the Lord's lunch tomorrow. Who used to take wickets for England? While the rest of us, you and me, Toby, I think you'll agree, are out there in the vanguard of doing hard work in broadcasting day in, day out at the coalface, trying to come up with new bullshit to just keep the dial ticking so that these people can keep on listening and, and, and I don't know, just be happy. And what does he do? Absolutely nothing, but it's his buddy podcast because our producer is only interested in him. And that was what I thought. How about you and I just go and do our own podcast? You know, maybe get... I don't know, someone even less well-known than either of us. It's going to be difficult. We could could bully them instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what? We've been doing this podcast just over a year now, and all we do is turn up every week to get Finney have a go at us and insult us, log out early, log in late, to not turn up. And what do we thanks we get? We get Shakib Mahmood calling it That Stephen Finn Podcast. This is why Keith Richards and Mick Jagger fell out, because... They turned up in Brazil yeah. once, the Rolling Stones, and there was a big banner that said Brazil welcomes Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. Oh, and then right. it, it, too trans- it soon transpired that Mick Jagger knew about it and he was actually pushing for their name to be changed to Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones and Keith and him barely spoke for about 15 years. So do you know what? If this has to turn into Keith Richards, Mick Jagger 2.0, then so be it. Yeah. I'm, willing to, I'm, I'm willing for that to happen. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, basically, I think what well, listeners, regular listeners to this podcast, who incidentally, I think number now six, because I met two of them at, um, at Edgebaston the other day at finals day. So we're, we're going Are you to... sure you weren't very drunk and it was one of them? No, no, I was the sober one. Um, they weren't, they weren't. No, I, mean, I have to be, I have to retain sobriety. But that's why finals day is such a long day for me because I can't get a drink until about 10, 10, 15. It's, it's a toughie. Especially when every time we go downstairs for a fag, there's people who are increasingly happier and happier. Well, until they become decreasingly happier and happier and then just face plant the pavement and it all goes horribly wrong. Uh, and dressed as nuns. <laughs> so un- unhappy face planting nuns. <laughs> don't, don't type that into Google, please, listeners, by the way. Whatever <laughs> you do. <laughs> Whatever yeah, I was going that. I've completely forgotten it. But, but, but the point is, yes, it was quite belittling. It's quite difficult. But he did agree then to come onto the show because I think he was so embarrassed that the, that, he, that he didn't know who I was. And I think this might be our way to get more people onto the podcast is basically by embarrassing them and shaming them mm. onto being on. I'm happy to I mean, shame people. Yeah? Yeah. We can get pretty much anybody we wanted. Yeah. If, if, I mean, if I, it's shame I, I you're have... after, I can deliver shame in the bucket loads. But uh, oh, in fact, yeah. well, thank you for getting embarrassed you and on, I, you on and TMS. I big, if there was, if there was a, a, a Commonwealth Games or Olympic Games category for the undignified and shameless, I think we would definitely be with a chance. Oh, mate, I'd be, I'd be on the podium every day of the week. Well, thank you very much for falling on your sword on behalf of the podcast as ever. Uh, now, finally, before, uh, before we try and sleep in this godforsaken heat, because uh, we are recording on Tuesday evening, the England women have been spectacular over the last few weeks and we've been so busy, we haven't really had time to properly stop and reflect on what they've been up to, but it's been absolutely sensational. And the ODI series against South Africa was very comfortable. England women won by 109 runs, 114 runs. 
and five wickets as well. And what's been nice as well about it is the usual names are putting their hands up, the superstars that we know and love, but also there's been a few new superstars emerge as well. We mentioned Emma Lamb briefly last week. Norcross, I mean, they're, they're playing, their white ball cricket seems to have gone to an entirely new level. They're almost following the men of a few years ago and almost moving the boundaries now. 371 and 337 they set in their last two games. They did, they did. I've watched a lot of women's cricket over the last 10 years and uh, you've got to temper this by seeing that South Africa is side in turmoil, really. I mean, it's not quite transition. They've lost some of their very best players all at once and that's very difficult to do because South Africa doesn't have an awful lot of money to invest in women's cricket, so there isn't a lot of depth. So they're kind of like their top 14, 15 players need to be available to you. And if you lose Lizelle Lee, Mignon Dupria, Dane Fannika, just like that. Uh, Shabnam Ishmael wasn't available for the test match in the first ODI. She's, you know, coming back from injury, so she's finally at feet. It is very, very difficult. And South Africa was a sort of good news story of women's cricket. They were the ones that were coming through where England, well, Australia primarily, of course, and then England in their wake were taking women's cricket into new places. We were looking around and going, New Zealand, West Indies, it's quite disappointing. They're not actually kicking on. South Africa were kicking on. And um, it just has a bit of an end of empire feel, unfortunately, there, because they've lost those three. And sooner loses captaincy, or lease, as it turns out, that it should actually be pronounced, two U's make an E in Afrikaans. So soon Elise, um, as captain, I'm afraid just hasn't cut the mustard. I mean, maybe she's got a problem with the personnel she's got. Maybe, you know, there are those issues to be taken into account. But she was captaining from deep third the other day. Marizan Cat was at deep fine leg. They looked like a rudderless ship. And England, on the other hand, are a side that's fully professionalised. They're finding some great new names. Eh? I'd say new, some of Alison, Alice Davidson Richards is an old name who's come back, which is very rare in women's cricket. It's a very interesting story that and it hints that actually women's cricket in England is becoming more sophisticated and that you can have a career where you go in and out, where before, you know, you either made it or you didn't and then you were discarded. Um, we're seeing new faces like Lauren Bell and Izzy Wong. We're seeing Catherine Bunt being rested from two of the three games and it's a, it's a points-based system. So you're thinking that we'll want to put out their best side. The last game, they left out Siver and Eccleston and Brunt on that incredibly hot day at Leicester. Uh, I think safe in the knowledge that they were just too good for South Africa. Now that says two things. Something about English women's cricket, which is definitely moving in the right direction. It's great to see. Um, the domestic structure is making for better and better women cricketers. The changes that have been brought on board, the Rachel Hayopin trophy, the Charlotte Edwards Cup, um, the 100, these are all magnificent for women's cricket in England. But you're seeing what it also does to countries that don't have that. And South Africa being probably the nearest competitors, you know, they won a group game in the World Cup, then they lost that World Cup semi-final. Twice they've done that now. They lost a close semi-final in 2017. They were sort of the new kids on the block, but quite old kids on the block. They're straight to get away. They've been around for quite a long time, but they were and finally coalesced into a really good team. And to see them quite so rudderless, shapeless, hopeless is a bit disappointing in a way. However, superb Nat Silver has been. Tammy Beaumont with a century. Emma Lamb, we've discussed. 
But again, you know, her resurgence is, is well, a surgence, really, because then just coming to the side, is terrific. Um, there's, it's, it's just hard to gauge and the worry about with, with women's cricket at the very highest level. And I think the 100 will be a great showcase for women's cricket because we'll see the best players in the world, genuine in the world, like Big Bash, we'll have Aussies over, we'll have um, some Indian players over, they'll New Zealand players over, West Indies players over, it will be a, a proper festival of women's cricket. That will tell us something about them individually. But when it comes to collectively, you're sort of getting to the point where England and Australia are getting too far ahead of the rest. And that is that is a worry. I watched a bit of the, you know, the 371 they said against South Africa the other day. And I, I do take your point that South Africa at one point, I mean, they fell apart. I mean, sooner or least, whether you know, she's a natural captain or not. The standard of the fielding, South Africa dropped a lot of catches. That run out they missed where the uh, yeah. keeper Chetty oh. somehow managed to fumble it at the stumps. It made Nathan Lyon's attempt at Headingley look like Jaunty Rhodes. I mean, it was absolutely shocking. So, and she's really experienced, Chetty. She's I know. been around and for she, decades. I mean, it? It was, I mean, it would be unfair to village cricket to say that that was a bit of village cricket from her. But we'll see over the next, uh, during the 2020 series as well, if South Africa can muster up more of a challenge. Um, very, very quickly, the last thing I want to talk about, because the reason we haven't got into too much detail on the England-South Africa ODI and Ben Stokes' last ODI is that uh, we'll reflect on the series as a whole a bit more next week. Um, but England lost to India in the ODI series 2-1. I do think that was in part to the fact that India bowled just wonderfully the entire series and Rishabh Pant was incredible in the last game. Um, and also England have got a lot of injuries in the bowling department at the minute. But the worry is the batting lineup is pretty much full strength. I mean, it is full strength. Um, and they've lost the first ODI to South Africa. Um, a bit premature, but Daniel, when do we start to get a little bit nervous, a little bit worried about how out of sort some of these English batsmen are looking? I mean, Jason Roy scored at a strike rate of 69 today. He got 42 off about 60 odd deliveries, which is... I mean, if Jason Roy bats 60-odd deliveries, normally that means he scored a, a, some runs. Yeah, it does. I mean, there are obviously extenuating circumstances. He's a human being and he had to field for three hours and 40 minutes in 40 degree for 35, 36 degree heat. And then he had to strap his pads on and go out and bat uh, on a pitch that was not used to having that heat on it. And it was getting lower and more awkward. I mean, I watched a lot of that game, nearly all of it, and the South Africans didn't really time it either, particularly in getting to 330, whatever it was, 334. Uh, the England's bowling wasn't great. Uh, also, South Africa did get extraordinarily lucky at various points. Um, I'm, I wouldn't be worried yet because the people that you're talking about being worried about are Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow, Joss Butler, um, I think Jason Roy is a concern because I don't think he's been informed all summer, but you know, that's okay. people go in and out of form, don't they? They can come back into form. Uh, Stokes is gone, and that is again a worry. You've lost, lost two left handers from the middle order, which who are you going to replace them with? Well, probably right handers because there aren't any obvious left handed replacements. Uh, Sam Curran going further up the order might be a, a partial help in that. He's been batting exceptionally well for Surrey. You might think of sticking him in around five or six. In, and being kind of Stokes, really, um, a left-handed all-rounder who, who bowls a few overs for you, but with the added advantage that he can swing it out front. Uh, 
I don't think there's a massive concern. The, the biggest concern in English cricket at the moment is the fitness of their bowlers. And that happens in, that's in Test cricket, one-day cricket, T20 cricket. There's a vast number of very capable, very good international bowlers, none of whom can be selected at the moment. Chris Wokes, Mark Wood, um, Ollie Stone, Jofra Archer. It's That is a Saki Mahmood, Matt Fisher, whom they have selected and has gone down with a, a stress fracture. There's a, there's a lot of players out. And getting to the bottom of that, is it is it just coincidence? Is it bad luck? Um, is there something structural going on? It's it's weird that it's all happening at the same time and it does massively affect your side because that was not a 334 pitch. It was difficult, it was stop, it was low um, and England should probably have been chasing 280 and would probably have got 280. Yeah, I, I think that's it. The knock-on effect, you know, the bowling attack is, is second string, probably third string in places and as a result, that means you're chasing more runs and it puts a lot of pressure on the likes of of Jason Roy, if you're not playing particularly well. Anyway, we'll reflect. Matthew, more. Matthew Potts, Matthew Potts made his debut today. I mean, that, that's that's where they're at. Mm. And Matthew Potts, most people haven't heard of Matthew Potts. He bowled really, really well in Test matches. Does anybody know if he's any good in fifty over cricket? How much fifty over cricket can he have played? The hundred and T twenty has taken primacy. What are his figures in the Royal London One Day Cup? And how much does it actually matter? And then you're asking to play an international match, and then poor thing. He gets heat stroke because yeah. he's lived his entire life in Durham and he's never experienced anything like it. What you need for you know a game like that is a bunch of Londoners because we're used to the heat. We got take that down. It's your soft northerners that can't really handle it. Yeah, well, we upset the whole of India last week. You might as well piss <laughs> off the northerners as well. They're, they're normally another another calm, friendly. I, I've got to say, I've got to say, by the way, Toby, I don't know about you, but. I slept like a bloody baby last night. Had a fan on, you know, nice high ceilings. I get that. Enormous garden, lots of greenery around. It's all very good. But, but you know, it's still 36, 37 degrees. Slept well, like I've a baby. Said, you know, I grew up on the mean streets of Cobham, Surrey, and they brew them tough around there. So, yeah. They no, do. I they really do. Uh, Daniel, lovely to see you. I'll see you next week and we'll reflect on England's ODI series of South Africa properly. But I've got no doubt this team, they've got a lot of credit in the bank, will turn it around soon. See you next week and try and get some sleep. I, I, I won't need to try. It'll come to me blissfully. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.